0: You guys ready for the word? Yes. I'm excited today. Are you excited? This is a good day. This is. I just feel like God is really uh, wanting to show up big today and do some amazing things. The message that I want to really kind of dive into is one that you've probably heard preached in a lot of different ways before, and rightly so. It has to do with basically our words and our speech. And, you know, when you go through the Bible and you look from beginning to end at all the different topics that are covered, uh, there are some pretty... There's a vast range of topics, but there are some several things that are very predominant that just continue to come out over and over and over again in Scripture. You know, you see, obviously, a lot about God's love. You see a lot about hope. You see a lot about faith. But you absolutely see a lot about your words and your speech and the things that you say. It's from beginning to end. In fact, if you go and start trying to study all the different scriptures that have to do with the conduct of your speech and your words, uh, it is so vast that you will study for hours and hours and days and days and, and just continue to stay engulfed in that. And I encourage you to do so. But I wanna dive into it today and I wanna talk about it as God has you know shown me some things to teach on and reveal to us and it's obviously important when you look at somebody like king david and he says in psalm 19:14 let my let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight o lord you know knowing that We have, through our entire life, you know, we say however many words, I don't even know what it is, it's probably in the hundreds or maybe the thousands every single day of words that come out of our mouths, some of us much more than others, right? And uh, I'm on the high range, (laughs) my wife was, she was on the low range, she's not so much on the low range anymore, Uh, that was a joke. But anyway, there's a lot of words that come out of our mouths every single day and to know that, that David is saying to the Lord, a cry from his heart here, he's saying, Lord, examine my words. I want everything that I say to be acceptable in your sight. And there is a really, God show me that there's a really tall challenge here for us, and that is that there's not a word that proceeds from our mouth that's not acceptable to God. And that's a big challenge, you know. So when it comes to our speech, basically, I'll frame it in two ways. There are things that shouldn't come out, but there are also things that should come out. So we're going to look at both of those, things that shouldn't come out and things that should. How many people have been in a situation where you've said something before in a conversation or whatever, and after the fact, you look back and you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Be honest. How many people have done that? You feel you feel like, man, that was just stupid to say, or man, I just totally screwed something up there, or I can't believe that that, that came out of my mouth, right? Or how many times have you been in a situation where maybe you look back and you wish you would have said something that you didn't say. Maybe you were nervous or you just felt like you weren't sure if you wanted to be bold or maybe just didn't come to you at that time. How many people have been in that case? You wish you would have said something before, right? I remember a time, uh, (laughs) there was a a girl that used to go to church here and she was telling me about her grandmother a few times and her grandmother was a very special person to her. And uh, one day at church she shows up and she goes to introduce me to this lady that's with her. It was an older lady than her. She was a younger girl, like our age. And uh, whenever she went to introduce me to her, I didn't think, I just sort of like reacted and I was like, oh, hey, Kelly, it's your grandma. It's so nice to meet you. And the look on their face was one of mortification. She was like, it's my mom. And her mom looked at me and I was there was nowhere to go with that. Nowhere. You can't recover. I, I can recover from a lot of things. You can't recover from something like that. And so I just sat there embarrassed, you know, and apologized and did what I could and, and moved on. But you know, there's definitely many of instances where we say things that we wish we wouldn't have said, not so much in that regard where it's a funny story, but things that are damaging in nature to ourselves or to others. Or inversely, there's times where we should say things or we could say things that could build a situation or somebody up, and we don't. And so I want to talk about that today. The title of my message simply is The Untamable Tongue. And I'm going to begin by reading from James in chapter 3, and it starts out in verses one Through 12. And I'm going to begin here uh, in verse 2 actually. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. "...that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God." Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. So the Bible is very clearly telling us right here that we are given this tongue, right? And it's something that we can never fully tame or control. It's just impossible to do. But it's something that's so important to be able to steward and use and to seek God on how to c- conduct our speech because we can bless or curse with our mouth at the, at, the sa- at the same way. right? Out of our mouth can perceive blessing or cursing. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it eat its fruit. So we will receive out, we will, we will get the results or we will suffer the consequences of whatever it is that's coming out of our mouth. Our speech has an impact. Our words have consequences, good or bad. They are not neutral. Does that make sense? So there's something that's happening as a result of the things that come out of our mouths and the, the book of James, the author of James is telling us right here that just as a ship's rudder can steer that ship, that huge vessel in a major direction, the little tongue, the untamable part of the body can impact all of the rest of it at the same time. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven tells us that we should use our words sparingly. He who has knowledge spares his words but a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. So there's this idea that in using our words, we would use them sparingly. We wouldn't use them carelessly, right? It's, it's as if there is almost a control or a premeditation ahead of releasing the words and releasing and loosing our tongue whenever those things come out. It's not just some casual, frivolous thing where words should just be flying out of our mouth all the time. I'm going to talk in a second about what that can lead us into if that's the way we do it is unbridled and uncontrolled. James 1:19 says, let every man be slow to speak but quick to listen and slow to anger. So there is uh, an understanding from the Bible that in our posture of our words and our speech that we should first be one of a listening audience and second one of a speaking position. There should always be this demeanor of us, of, of the way we look at things, that we are better to observe and to listen than to just react and to speak first and most of the time you will find that if you If you feel that you want to say something, but you're not quite sure if you want to release those words yet, but you you just wait to listen a little bit longer, listening always privileges you to more information that is helpful and useful that most of the time will temper the way your words and your speech will then come forth. And by listening and being uh, available to hear what is in The circumstances or the other people around you that your words may affect, it helps you to be able to position your words appropriately and timely and effectively. Does that make sense? It's not that we don't, that we would never uh, speak or that we would just be like quiet, reserved people. I hope you see that's certainly not me and that isn't the kind of message that I'm preaching. But what I'm saying is that I have found, and I'm a person that does talk a lot i have found that in the word i am convicted about the fact that i need to be very Purposeful and specific in the way I bring forth words and I bring forth speech when I know that the, the balance that's weighing out is that something could be cursed or blessed. I could help or hurt situations and people with what it is that I say. Something so simple as a word that comes out of my mouth can have that kind of an impact. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to start out in verse 14. And it's talking about just our conduct. And he goes into speech here in these verses. He says, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. So idle babblings ultimately lead to sin and to downfall and to harmful consequences. Idle babblings strife more or less when we are just randomly using words, saying things, speaking things out without any type of uh, caution or just you know, monitoring what it is that we're saying, when we're just letting things fly out of our mouths, we get in conversations, and we just talk just to talk because we feel like something needs to be said or somebody has an opinion about something that maybe isn't positive and we feel like we just need to have some input or we need to agree or whatever, I think you can all see where I'm going with this is we find ourselves in many conversations and many times where what starts to happen is it it moves from just productive, fruitful, healthy conversation into a place that I would classify as idle babblings. Things that are just idle. They're just words to just be using words. They don't have purpose and meaning. But ultimately, we can see from what the Bible is telling us that all those things are going to do is lead you into a path of sin or hurt or harm to someone or something, possibly even yourself. And that they generate, ultimately, they generate strife between you and other people. So there is no benefit, there is nothing productive, helpful, or good to come from conversations that you would classify as being idle babblings or purposeless words and things that are not good and helpful and fruitful. It goes on to say... Uh, In Proverbs 10, 19, sin is not lacking in a multitude of words, and the wise restrain their lips. So what I get out of that is if I'm the kind of person that just just has words coming out of my mouth, just talking, just... It, you know, feeling like something always needs to be said, or I always have to have something to interject or put in, if that's the way I lead with my speech and that's what controls what comes out of my mouth, it's just a matter of time before, in the multitude of words where it's not restrained, it's not bridled, it's not checked and examined ahead of time, it's just a matter of time before it leads to sin or strife or some sort of unhealthy thing that I do not want in my life. Does that make sense? If you're with me, say amen. Amen, amen. okay. In 2 Timothy chapter two, kind of forward, fast forwarding a little bit to verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So in this he's saying you know, avoid ignorant disputes, uh, avoid foolishness, and knowing that they'll generate strife, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. But be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. I just want to make a point in the middle of this that you know you're going to see that I'm talking a lot about edifying speech, really conduct of speech, the type of speech that we uh, lead ourselves in that is building and edifying and positive in nature with the results that come out of it, but. It is very clear that that doesn't mean that we are never uh, correcting or possibly standing up for or confronting a situation that may present itself to us. So you can't, I want to make sure that that point is, is clear. He says right here, Go ahead and correct, but do it in humility, with patience. And as a result of doing it that way, there will not be strife or a quarrel that is produced out of it. So if your words are led in a godly way, and they're examined and delivered in a way that is basically how God would have you to bring them forth, then though there may be confrontation, and there may be disputes or things that need to be corrected, in the life and the circumstances you face, it will not result in a situation produced of strife or quarrel or bitterness between you and other people. I'm not saying they're gonna just love you and it's gonna be roses all the time, but it's not gonna be a situation that turns over into something uh, sinful and ugly like strife and quarrel and bitterness. Does that make sense? And that's a very difficult thing to do because if we get ourselves Ourselves in a position where we're trying to be correcting or confronting or standing firm in a position, our emotions and our flesh is tempted at this point if you have a temptation meter, this is one of those times when it's up very high and it's easy for all of a sudden your speech to slip from being examined, being checked, being fruitful and slip over into not being patient, not being humble and, and trying to combat the situation and being confronted. And that's where we have to really rely on the Holy Spirit and God to help lead us in our speech in those times because I will say that there is absolutely something that needs to be producer something that God intends to do in that situation if it presented itself to you you find yourself in that place and God intends to give you the right words but you have to work really hard to make sure you don't allow your flesh to take over and you continue to keep the Holy Spirit in control and let those words still come forth in a profitable manner where they are patient they are humble and they are gentle Right, And those are good ways to check ourselves because if they err off of that mark, they're not gentle, patient, or humble, then we know that we're probably now in a place where our words are coming more from ourselves, influenced more by our emotions than they are by the Holy Spirit and by God who intends to bring something forth from us to help that situation that we are in. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. So, one of the things that I take from this is that I cannot allow feelings to influence my speech. Whoa, that's kind of a big one, isn't it? Because, I mean, honestly, it's something that I screw up on a lot. You, your feelings get in control, and then you react based on your feelings. And almost every time when you do that, you can look back and say that probably wasn't the right thing to say or the best way to handle that situation. So we have to realize that yes, we are emotional beings. I mean, it's great. God made us that way. So that's what he intends. But we cannot allow the feelings and the emotions to rule our speech. We must let the spirit rule us and allow God to be in control and be in tune with him and not allow our feelings to take precedence and take front and center stage to where our words are then coming forth as a result of how we're feeling or our emotions are being stirred up at the time. And that will lead us into a place where we won't want to be. James 4, 11 and 12 talks about not speaking evil of a brother, for when we do, we judge him. And, and then it goes on to talk about how there's only one who is able to restore or destroy who is worthy to be able to judge. So we have to realize that if we find ourselves through maybe idle babblings or gossip or quarrelsome words, find ourselves in a position where we are then uh, talking evil of someone, whether it's directly and face-to-face or whether it's behind the scenes or behind their back, whatever the case may be, that when we do that, God views that as that we are putting judgment on that person. Because we're speaking evil of them. And God is saying, you are not worthy to judge. You are not able to do that. So we have to sort of take and get a good idea, get a good understanding of how significant and how important it is when we start finding ourselves maybe speaking uh, evil or badly of a person or or a group of people or whatever the case may be that we are in a position now where we're, we're putting ourselves in a position to judge them. And God is saying, whoa, you've crossed the line. You are way over, you're, you're way beyond your bounds here. You know, you can have an opinion about things, but when you do that, if you do it in a way that is led by God and your words are examined appropriately, you'll have an opinion. And it can even be one of opposition, but it will still be effective at producing meaningful and helpful results in some way, shape or form and not lead to anything quarrelsome or strifeful. Ephesians 4 29, no, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. No, it didn't say don't let too many fly out. Don't let, you know, more than maybe 10 or 15 a day come out. It says, let no corrupt word proceed forth from your mouth. And look, you know, I mean, God's just issuing a, a, a challenge to us. He's just issuing uh, something to us that he is asking us to do and walk in so that he can have his way in us. That's what he's laying forth for us to be able to see. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, Every idle word that a man speaks, he shall give account for. Wow. So, you mean to tell me, Matt, that every idle word that proceeds forth from my mouth that's not, that aren't words that are being examined or being led by the Holy Spirit, every idle word that comes out of my mouth that I'm going to give account for? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says. Now, we can repent, of course, at any time of things we've said and done, and God is just and faithful to forgive us in that manner. But at the same time, the Bible's letting us know that there is an accountability for everything that proceeds forth from our mouths, and that should produce in us a heightened sense of understanding, importance, and awareness at how significant this kind of a subject is, this kind of a a topic. There's a reason why there's hundreds of scriptures all through the Bible that talk about the conduct of our speech, because it's a huge deal to God. And we have so many ways that our words can bless or curse every given day that yeah, of course it has to be viewed as something so significant and something so important. But, so yes, we can see a lot of these ways that we have to uh, examine our speech and to withhold from a lot of things that we would maybe out of our flesh normally do with our words. But there are a lot of things that we are instructed to say and to do with our words. And first of all, in, Je- in Ephesians four twenty-five or twenty-nine, the second part of the scripture I just quoted a second ago, it says, "Let no corrupt word proceed forth from your mouth." And then it goes on to say, "But that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers." So when our speech is done in such a way that it is let's say, approved, if you will, by God, and your your words are released forth from your tongue by a spirit-led uh, directed, then they will impart grace, they will edify, and they will produce godly, purposeful results on this earth. That is huge, isn't it? I mean, that is amazing that God's will and purposes can be done in this earth simply by me controlling my words, bridling my tongue, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead that which is loosed and let forth from my tongue and what I say. And I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to be in a position where God can use my words for godly, purposeful results in this earth and not in a position where they're producing harm and things that have to be Dealt with or corrected later, right? I want my words to be producing, advancing the kingdom of God, not detracting from what God is trying to do on this earth. In Genesis, the very beginning, God said, let there be light. So language, words, the very first use of them was actually not to communicate, but to create so our words actually can create things in this earth if they're spirit-led and they're, and they're being laid forth by God himself as he's directing us, right? That's amazing. God used the first, had the first use of language to create. And our words, just like we talked about earlier, can, they can curse, but they can also bless. They can edify. They can impart grace. They can strengthen the body, our fellow brothers and sisters, Right Proverbs said a word in due season is 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 good to the soul. So when we lay forth when we bring forth words that are and directed and led by the spirit and by God as he's leading us through this life that we are bringing forth words that can set on people's soul and spirit in moments and times where it will be exactly what they need it's a word in due season it's exactly what they need to bring forth the next step or that next place or for God to reveal things to them and move them forward the way that he chooses to do So they can create, they can edify, they can build, and that is always the goal, the objective of what we should set forth to accomplish with our speech and with our words when we go out and we we have conversations with what we say as we go and we do. Now, with that comes another significant challenge. If, if our words led by God can bring forth edification and build up and strengthen and produce godly, purposeful results and advance his kingdom, that's awesome. But there is also a charge to make sure that when we see the opportunity to do that, that we release those words, we release our tongue, and we allow God to, to say and do what he's choosing to do. James 4.17 says, "'To him that knows to do good and does not, it is sin.'" Wow. So when God is laying on my heart to say a good word to a brother or a sister or to bring forth a word of truth in a situation but in a way that is in humility and gentle, If if you're mean to tell me that if I don't do that, that that's sinful, well, that's what the Bible is telling us. Yeah, God convicts your heart. It's up to you to obey. To not obey is to disobey, and that by its definition is sin, disobeying God. So when God privileges you and leads you and directs you by his spirit, that's an amazing thing, but once you are given that direction and that information and that wisdom and insight, then yes, it is up to us to act on it and release those purposeful words into the situation to produce the results that God intends to do. For if we see the opportunity to do good and we don't, then we basically by default are stymieing what God intends to do in that situation. Now Don't get me wrong, God will never be frustrated by man and his efforts. But my point is, is that you can see if God intends to use you to do something and you hold back when you've been given the opportunity to do it, that the Bible is telling us that that is sinful and that is disobeying God. And we don't want to be in a position where we uh, find ourselves in that kind of situation. I just said this scripture a second ago, but Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in due season, oh how good it is. And then I love this one, Proverbs 20, uh, 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken, which I would say any word directed and led forth by the Spirit himself as he's directing and leading us As we are his children, seeking him, looking for him to have his way in us. And he's revealing to us not just what we would do in our lives, not just, you know, what maybe what we would do in a career decision or all that, that he intends to lead us, even in something as what may seem so simple as the words that come forth from our mouth each and every day in all the conversations that we have. And a word fitly spoken, basically, a word spoken, that is inspired or directed or led by a person that's in tune with God, walking with God, and allowing God to have his way in them is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Just picture that. I mean, that's a beautiful, elegant, awesome thing when you picture that in your mind. And that is exactly the kind of result that it produces in the heart and in the soul of people when it falls in the right time, in the right situation where God directs it. So you say, okay, this is some big stuff. So I, I can't say anything that God doesn't tell me to say, but I need to say everything that God wants me to say. Wow, that's like, how do you do that? You know, I mean, I can work at it. I can do it, right? I can try really hard, but I don't know if I can ever really get what you're talking about. Well, first of all, I mean, that's why it says it's the untamable tongue. It's not anything we could ever perfect or achieve in the level that anyone else could uh, except Jesus. Except Jesus. Jesus was led by the Father in everything he did, but also in everything he said. And to me, this is where this thing begins to explode. Because now I begin to see, when, with what I'm about to go through, how, wow, I can see how, how I can actually work, how I can produce, how I can see these things happen in my life, the way that the Bible is instructing us and charging us to do. Let's go to the book of John in chapter 12. And in verse 49 and 50, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, I speak. So our Jesus Our example is a man that as he walked this earth, God in human flesh, never at any point spoke a single word that the father didn't direct him to speak and lead him to say. Now, we can look through the Bible and see in the Gospels a lot of the things that Jesus says, but we can also employ common sense here and and realize that there's a whole lot of words that came out of Jesus' mouth that aren't recorded in the Gospels, right? I mean, it's not like every conversation that he ever had when he walked the face of the earth is listed in there, but We can see that from what Jesus says, when it comes forth, it's truth. And he says, I don't say a single word except what the Father is telling me to say. We move on into John chapter 14, verse 10. And he says, the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So Jesus is being led in the conduct of his speech and the exact words that he's bringing forth. I absolutely love this. Because Jesus is, he's God, but he's in human form, right? So he's giving us an example because he's doing these things in the flesh. And he's being led by God, by the Father, in every word he says. Now what he achieved, we'll never be able to achieve, which is throughout our entire lifetime, there would never be a single word that comes forth that isn't led and directed by the Father. But he's setting the bar for us. He's helping us to see the way we should strive and the way we we should challenge ourselves to be and the way we go about our conduct of our speech. And in John 16, really through these few chapters, there's a whole, I would read John like 12 all the way up through 16 because there's a whole bunch of this that just keeps coming back out and back out. And it just, this is where it exploded for me. But in John chapter 16, verse 12 and 13. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. So Jesus is with them, and he's got the words. He's got the instruction. He's got the things that they need right now before them. But he's saying, I'm not going to be with you forever, but there is coming one. The things that are still left to say, you can't bear them all right now. There's a whole lot more to come. But I'm not going to be around to tell you, but there's one that's coming that will. And you will always have the ability to receive the direction and the inspiration and the insight and the leading that you need that you are looking for to be able to have the correct speech, the correct words, and the right things to come out of your mouth and to do and to say at any given time that you find yourself in in the course of your life here on this earth. Not just them, but all of us here today hearing that same thing. Right? And that's for us, too. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Back to John 14, verses 16 through 17. He says, I will pray that the, to the Father, and he will give you another, a helper, that will abide in you forever. The Spirit of truth, who the world, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so he's saying that you're going to have this helper, this Holy Spirit. You're going to have what you need to be able to lead you and guide you and direct you because you can't possibly achieve this on your own. You don't have the capacity for the discipline and the self-control that it takes to be able to let forth and loose all of the words from your mouth that God intends to let loose and, and bring forth and to restrain and hold back on all the things that the flesh tries to force you to let out. You don't have the capacity to do that, but a helper is coming and I will send him when I'm not here to help you anymore and he will be the one that dwells in you forever that will be able to lead you and guide you and bring this forth for you. John also, and that also later on in uh, the chapter 14 in verses 24 through 26, he says, he who does not, uh, actually verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit not only is able to bring forth the words as we move forward and the things that we need, but also brings forth the words that Jesus has already spoken because those are truth and they are life and they will inspire and lead and influence us as we move forward in what we say and do to also be done in truth and with life. Wow, this is amazing stuff, the challenge is so high, and I'll be honest, for a while, this like, almost intimidated me, and I know that's probably not the right way to look at it, but there was such a big challenge here, when I started to see no corrupt word, every word I say is idle, I'm accountable for, wow, this is unbelievable, but then this stuff in, in John starts to explode, and you start to see with the Holy Spirit, oh my gosh, you have everything you need, here's the answer, here's the hope, here's the solution to be able to move forward and not be intimidated by that challenge but to see that it's something that you can attain, that you can walk in though never perfect. So the idea of being able to allow yourself to have the, the conduct of speech that's God's word and his will and his way each and every time get this, I begin to see this it's not an effort of laboring it's an effort of yielding. Whoa! an effort of yielding. I don't have to labor at this. I can't train myself. I can't work at this. It's an effort of yielding, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in me and lead me, and and allowing him to do that in all of these situations begins by me understanding the importance and the significance of everything my words can bring forth as we've already laid out. Unbelievable stuff. And so we can bring forth his words. Hebrews 12.4 says, The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. This word right here is where it all begins, and it opens it up and leads you into the place of all the things that you need and that you're looking for. It starts right here in the words that can discern thoughts and intents of the heart. God alone can do that. And here is God, his word, right before us that has the ability to do that, to help us to see where our speech and where our words fall as as to bless or to curse. So in conclusion, to just wrap this up, edified speech comes from edified souls. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Edified speech comes forth from edified souls. Edified souls are built and produced and strengthened as a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having his work in us and building us up in our most holy faith on a continual basis. The book of Jude One chapter, verse 20 says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You pray in the Holy Spirit by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the helper that Jesus talked about that he would send, that we would have, that would dwell in us and be with us forever to lead us into something that is absolutely unattainable in our own, in our, own, in our flesh, but that God gives us a provision in a way. When God calls you to something like no corrupt word, when he challenges you, when he asks you, when he commands you, he always makes a provision. He always equips, and the solution for this is the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you each and every day and every step of the way. So the way I net out on this thing is I just get on my knees and I say, I've got to have the Holy Spirit. I have to have The Holy Spirit helping me, the helper, he's got to be with me. I've got to be led. I have to be able to yield to some other higher power. I can't find it in myself to achieve this high goal that God is setting forth for me. But I desire desperately to be used by God and to advance his kingdom and to produce his results in my life and on this earth and to see his will advanced. So I have to have the Holy Spirit. And so this is what I want to do. If we could have the team come up here. I just, for some of you that, and I know I haven't been able to really unpack the baptism of the Holy Spirit the way that maybe it should be, but I still feel like when I go through this message, this is where I end up. So this is where I want to leave it. And what I want to, what I hope happens here today is for those of you, that maybe are, are wondering about what I'm talking about or have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a second occurrence after sal- their salvation, which God's Spirit lives in us and we are secured our life in heaven with him. But there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is also a, another occurrence that happens whenever God sends his helper to be with us. And if if... Hopefully, if that's not something that you've experienced, there's a hunger produced today for that, and you'll seek that. But I also would never want to walk out of here after talking about something like this and not make place for you to receive that today.